everyone. Welcome back. Juwan here with the 100 Series Everyday Awesome Podcast. And uh, I'm super excited to uh, bring in our next guest here. We are in February. So as you know, this is Black History Month. So I wanted to get in here and I wanted to to talk about, uh, you know, a topic that I think a lot of us are, you know, kind of have on our minds uh, lately. And that's, um, you know, diversity and uh, acceptance of diversity. Because I know here in the Quad Cities, we have a very diverse community, lots of people of lots of different backgrounds. And um, I think in, in this day and age, especially with social media, I think it's it's very important for us to, uh, as a community, to, one, to understand our, our differences. Because, uh, you know, we all come from various backgrounds. You know, we all come from various races, creeds, religions, and beliefs. And um, I really wanted to, to bring in our guest here today to really kind of talk about this, you know, the state of things, and uh, so some things that we can work on as a community to uh, to better uh, to better you know be more you know accepting and understanding of people who maybe be different from us. So I'm super excited to bring in uh, our guest today, Brandy Donaldson. Brandy, how are you? How's it going, Juwan? I'm very happy to talk about this topic. So thanks for having me. Um, definitely a lot to say um, on this particular topic is one of my favorite things to talk about um, because it's it's really close to me and who I am and really. Uh, my my existence depends on you know people being very accepting and and uh, being welcoming. So thank you for having me. No problem, no problem. So uh, for all those who uh, who don't know who you are, go ahead and give uh, the folks just a little bit of your background. Sure. Well, I've lived in the Quad Cities for 12 years. Um, a former journalist, a former newspaper journalist. I transitioned from newspaper to doing uh, corporate communications, but um, I like to just say I, I do that for a living. Uh, so I can support all the things that I care about doing in in the community. And so in the community, I'm a speaker, I'm an activist, I'm an author. Um, Anybody can check me out at brandydonaldson.com. You can uh, check out my bio and a lot of different things that I do. But yeah, I keep a lot of irons in the fire. I keep busy. (laughs) That's super cool, super cool. So yeah, so yeah, I just wanted to bring you on here and just talk about, you know, diversity and and things that you know our community can can do to uh to help you know, be more accepting of, of each other and things some things that we're we're currently doing that we should keep on doing so um so yeah i just wanted just to, to to kind of get your your input on some things that you've seen that we are doing well and uh, what some of those things might be so again, I've lived here 12 years and I've uh, stayed really involved in the community as well as my career. Um, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm a black uh, gay woman. So diversity for me is key. And so I'm always looking for ways um, within those three communities specifically, the gay community, the black community, and also amongst women, um, to make sure there are open spaces for people like me. Um, I have I have lived through in my career, in my education, so on and so so forth. I have lived through so much um, inequality, and going into spaces where I don't see anyone like me, or I don't see anyone who even looks like me, and that can be um, pretty, you know, daunting at times. That could be something that's hard to really. Um, get over, but you have to push through if you ever want to have a job and you want to succeed, you have to keep going. Um, So some things I can say about the Quad Cities that are great uh, in in the way of diversity and inclusion. So we are a very diverse community. We have um, immigrants from around the world who come here to our community. Uh, We have a um, great 
number of uh, different nationalities that settle here. Um, this is a great community to be different because you will find, you know, a lot of um, diversity here. However, uh, for me, diversity is just a very, very small um, aspect of what makes a community great. Um, a community can have diversity but still not be uh, where it needs to be because what's even more important than having a lot of people of different backgrounds in your community is this your community has to be welcoming to everyone your community has to be inclusive of everyone you know you have to be able to look around and see that all walks of life are being respected and that all walks of lives are being um, allowed to thrive in your community and that is where I think the Quad Cities misses the mark in some ways, and not just the Quad Cities, honestly, this is an issue nationally. This is a nationwide issue, and a lot of communities figured it out a long time ago and began making changes to make sure that in their civic um, organizations uh, there was more diversity, more inclusion of all um, lifestyles and all backgrounds. And a lot of corporations, again, looking ahead, they knew they were going to have to um, be more open and more inclusive to have a strong workforce. So a lot of companies and a lot of communities have already done a lot of that legwork. I feel like the Quad Cities is kind of playing catch up in that area. Um, we have not necessarily given so much attention to those particular topics until really recently. And so if, if you look around our community and you see all this diversity, but then you look um, at our elected officials who are typically, you know, for the most part white. Um, we do have a few exceptions to that, of course. You look at our business community, our top employers, all of the executives at the top, 90%, again, white, uh, mostly men, very few LGBT people. Um, you look at our prominent organizations, uh, our civic organizations and our um, non-for-profit organizations that serve the community f philanthropically. Um, they're all run, for the most part, by white individuals. Um, so you don't, we're not seeing that diversity that we have translate into inclusiveness and uh, being a welcoming community. There are, there are different efforts that have happened over the years to try to um, highlight the Quad Cities as a welcoming place to be. Um, however, when you actually go into the hearts of your community where your most diverse populations live, you still find a lot of segregation in the Quad Cities. Uh, we, whether it's self-segregation or not, um, there are people who are still not comfortable being outside of their neighborhoods. And there's a reason for that. You know, it's not just paranoia. It's because they feel that if they go outside of the center of where minorities live, they'll be harassed. They will be, you know, unjustly targeted. Or they won't, they just simply won't be welcomed. You know, the same thing happens within the gay community. You know, a lot of people who are gay will not socialize in spaces that are not necessarily considered like a gay bar or something like that because they don't feel welcome and there's been um, issues there you know names get called um, things get said you know there's been violence even that it, that's been racially motivated and and, and uh, motivated by sexually or sexual orientation so I mean this this has an effect on people 
it has an effect on people's daily lives. And I think I don't think any community in the United States, just based on our history and based on how this nation was founded and, you know, to this day, how uh, relations have been as far as uh, differences. I don't think any community has it 100 percent right just yet. Um, but the, the thing is, you have to constantly be making intentional effort. And I think in the Quad Cities, sometimes we just think, oh, we'll just put some things out in the media or we'll do, you know, a couple little things here and there and it'll just look great. But then the real impact is never really felt where it's where it needs to be felt because those efforts are not really intentional to last, you know, a long time. They are just kind of one off efforts here and there. But to really affect this, you have to be intentional, right? You have to really put your resources behind it, and you have to change the way um, things are operated. You have to get rid of that, that old system of patriarchy, you know, and, and really kind of dive deep into your community so you can make sure everyone's elevated and everyone's uplifted. So, so that was saying a lot. <laughs> right, right. And, like, you know, me coming from, you know, I'm from East Moline. I'm from Watertown. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's a that that whole area is primarily uh, African American, Hispanic, lower income, mm -hmm. and um, you know, and, and even just going, you know, just a, a few minutes down the road, you you're in a whole different atmosphere. When you cross those tracks, exactly. you know, you're 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 in a completely different neighborhood. That you, segregation, that line, you know, it still exists. You know, in so many American cities, and so many quad, you know, in our quad cities, you got that railroad track. That's your that's your line of you know these people be are over here these people are over here you know why do we still have that in the United States of America I have no idea but right and you no know, and one thing that like I constantly have to like tell people especially like if they you know, only hear rumors that oh you know Watertown's dangerous which it it really it really isn't compared to other parts of the quad cities like there are way way worse way worse areas but it's like having to like you having to like deal with that that stigma of like well have you been there it's like you know you know so it's like most of it's just you know from the the, the, the he said she said but it's like have you actually been there and like do you know anyone who lives there right now do you know anyone who you know is from there probably they do but like you said they listen to the stereotypes uh the media certainly um can play a really bad role in this in painting a picture of certain areas as as uh, worse than others i when i came here i was told not to live in rock island even though where i was working was right in downtown rock island right rock island argus building but i moved all the way to moline you know when i first got here because i knew nothing about the quad city so i was just listening to what i was being told and People painted Rock Island to be the worst of the worst. Uh, you don't want to live in Rock Island. And I come to realize, I mean, it's where a lot of black people live. You know, it's the same thing with East Moline. You've got a lot of minorities, black people, Hispanic people. But then you have a whole group of people that's calling those areas the worst parts of town. Yeah. So it's just, it's just bias. And, and, and people can ignore the racial side of it, but it really is racial bias and it really is economic bias because you also have people who are economically not as well off settling where they can afford to live. And all the decades and decades of redlining that happened, whereas, you know, our... our development didn't happen in those communities. You didn't have people 
trying to develop Watertown the way they were developing the other side of the tracks. You know, in Rock Island, you did have people developing the west end of 11th Street the same way they were investing up the hill. And then where were, you know, our real estate folks pushing people? You know, if you were not black, they were pushing you in a certain area. If you were black, yeah, so it's it's so many different elements at play here. It's socioeconomic in in addition to racial because also poor white people, you know, tend to get the same, you know, same push off as as minorities do. So, you know, there's a lot of thing, a lot of symptoms in the Quad Cities that have never been challenged and have never quite been addressed. Um, for one, people don't want to admit it. Now, especially I found that with people in power. Um, when, when these conversations tend to come up with people who are really our decision makers and our policy makers and our business leaders, they want to ignore it. And they say it doesn't exist. And they have kind of this cloud of, um, oh, those are all things that were in the past. We've, we've gotten through that. We've gotten over it. Well, the people who are affected have not gotten through it right. and have not gotten over it. You know, from a from a superiority standpoint, if you're sitting on high and you're looking down, yeah, from where you're sitting, you've gotten through it. But the people who are uh, the most oppressed and the people who have um, been victim of all of those things we're talking about, they're still suffering. And, and those neighborhoods that you're talking about, those neighborhoods have suffered for decades and they still are. And there's a lot of effort that pops up in the Quad Cities about we need to improve this or improve that. A lot of efforts have been made in our downtown areas, uh, which used to be economically poor areas, um, but it comes at the expense of gentrification a lot of times. Uh, poor people get pushed out, and they, put, they get pushed to the areas of town where, again, um, it's all the same. So, um, again, I think... We need to do a better job as a community, especially our decision makers. I hold them accountable. The people who make our decisions, the people who make our policies, the people who are uh, running our business community, I, I put a lot of responsibility on them. Even though, yes, you're 90% of you are white, it's time for you to start really paying attention to what is really ill in your community. Uh, there are a lot of ills that have never been addressed in the Quad Cities, and it just gets swept under the rug year after year, but the rug is huge now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and there's, I mean, there's problems that um, I think keep this community from growing diverse. Right. And one thing that I've seen is that more people who aren't leaders are, are taking the initiative themselves mm -hmm. to make things happen. Like my cousin Tavian Johnson, he, yes. he runs him in, in Cannon Burridge. They run Hoops for Hope every every summer where they have, uh, you know, people from the Watertown community have a basketball game with the local um, police officers, which has gone over very well yes. to help had help you know bridge that gap and and increase community relations so so big shout out to, to Tavian for taking that at that initiative so uh, but I really I really do think that um, I mean the community the community leaders definitely need to to do more in, in, in acknowledging you know this issue mm -hmm. but also um, I think that people on the ground level you know also have our, our responsibility as well because because they're the ones who are who are really gonna you know, facilitate in making this happen, um, you know, like Octavia Johnson or, you know, like, you know, Dwight Ford, yes, Reverend, yes. Reverend Dwight Ford or, or so many other people out there who are, who are, 
you know, kind of being the foot soldiers and help helping helping champion these causes. That's another um, big kudos to the Quad Cities is that we are a community full of doers. Um, thankfully, that we have people on the ground floor, grassroots, who take very little resources and make things happen. They have ideas on how to improve their communities or their neighborhoods. And they go out and they do it. And that's one thing I'm really proud of here. And that's been a big, um, a big reason why I've stayed here because I've, I have found so many things to get involved with, whether it be the NAACP or the Empowerment Network or the African American Leadership Society or just so many other just individual efforts that people have. You mentioned the, you know, having the, um, the hoops game with the police officers. That was just someone in that neighborhood saying, you know what, I want to improve relations between um, neighbors and the police. And I want to somehow bridge the gap that seems to happen between neighbors and police. And, you know, we've, we've had police-involved shootings right here in our own area. You know, Watertown has seen that. And so somebody just got up one day and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that through sports. I'm going to do that through basketball. You know, we all love basketball. Let's come together and see if we can do it. And he did it. And it's been going on for, for years now. It's been successful. And there are so many other people we could talk about and we could name that just take, you know, maybe one event and see what they can do. And like I said, a lot of times it's usually very little resources, you know, not a lot of money. Um, they just have the time and they have the energy and they have the um, will to see things change in their community. And that is what I'm proud of the Quad Cities for because... I mean, there are people we could we could talk about who have been doing this for decades. There are a lot of mentors I have um, adopted in the Quad Cities who I look at and I say, you know what, if they can continue to fight this fight year after year, decade after decade, I can help. You know, I can I can lend my my resources or lend my time or lend my talents in any way that I can. So that's that's actually a, a big um, plus in this area where we're lacking in a lot of the big efforts. Um, there are so many people willing to start something just grassroots, um, bare bones, and make it grow into something great for the community. Now, and that's something that I've always looked out and really admired about a lot of people here. I like that. I like that a lot. And yeah, and a lot of it just comes down to just you know not being afraid to have you know those conversations and you know you're getting a little bit uncomfortable. You have you to know. be uncomfortable. You have to hundred percent uncomfortable. If if the conversations are comfortable you're probably not doing enough because this is a it's a very uncomfortable thing to realize first of all just making the realization and then secondly actually speaking up um, it's really hard to do that because you know if you're a minority in the community there is there comes some fear with that you know i don't want to lose my job or i don't want to be seen as this or that, or I want to stay in good with whoever and having that fear. I mean, I know for me, I've always, um, I've had so many experiences where I've been the only black person okay. on my job or, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been there. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you know, why am I, how can I talk about race with the people here? And, and this is even coming from journalism. And it's like, you know what, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to start doing it and you know what's the worst that can happen but in the back you know you start to go through all of those scenarios of you know what if 
they don't like this or what if they tell me to stop or how am I going to react if they don't let me do this or if, but I have found that if you just have a little bit of courage and you speak up and you care enough for me I, I just cared enough and, and it wasn't it wasn't enough for me to just sit back and see things happen and talk about it it was like what can I do like how can I immerse myself into something that personally I care a lot about and it's important to me but there's so many other people too who need champions and who need people to speak for them. You know, they are giving a voice to the voiceless. I always say, you know, marginalized people by and large, you know, we're underrepresented. We um, are undercounted typically and our voices, it's easy for our voices to get silenced because we're, I mean, we're the minority, but Hey, we can, we can just start speaking louder, you know, and as soon as we feel like, you know, our voices are being drowned out, you start speaking louder and you start speaking in the right spaces to the right people to make sure, you know, the right people know that we're not going to just settle for the status quo anymore. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Well, before we go ahead and, and sign off here, Brandy, how can people find you? So to find me again, brandydonaldson.com. That's B-R-A-N-D-Y-D-O-N-A-L-D-S-O-N.com. I started that website recently just to have my own platform and to have a forum to talk about things that I want to talk about and showcase people like you and others who are doing wonderful things in the community that I wanted to um, kind of give shouts out to. So that website has just about anything you'd ever want to know about me. And also you can contact me through it if anybody ever wanted to contact me. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Brandy, for coming on here and talking about you know on a topic that we all we all really need to be talking about here, and especially in the Quad Cities. And let's keep talking about it. Let's keep these conversations going, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening in on this podcast, and we will be back again with another person next week. So thank you all, and as always, I will see you soon.